Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Josh Siegel. The Biden administration is about to undertake one of its most complicated international initiatives to date, and it could have pretty serious green implications. Last week, David Malpass abruptly announced he would step down from his role as president of the World Bank. Malpass was a Trump appointee who once voiced doubts about climate science, and he didn't really fit the Biden administration's vision for the job. So now, with Malpass planning to leave, President Joe Biden has a chance to choose someone who will reshape the bank to focus more on climate change and other global challenges. But the administration's path ahead is filled with obstacles. So today, Politico Zach Coleman on how Biden has a chance to redefine the World Bank through its next leader. It's Wednesday, February 22nd. Zach, why did the president of the World Bank, David Malpass, step down last week? It sort of depends on who you ask. According to David Malpass, he said, the time was right for me to leave while this big reform agenda is being talked about. There's a lot of world leaders that want the World Bank to reposition itself to tackle global shared crises like climate change, things that weren't really envisioned when the World Bank was stood up decades ago. So he said, you know what? My term ends in April 2024. I've been on this job for four years. This reform agenda is not exactly something that I was signing up for, even though I'm trying to push it along. I might as well step out of the way and let someone with some fresh energy go and take this across the finish line. But you also can read between the lines here. And Secretary Yellen at the Treasury Department and John Kerry, who is the special climate envoy, have been pretty vocal about the World Bank needing to do more on climate change. And there's some not so subtle hints that maybe David Malpass is not the guy to do that, given he had publicly in the fall demurred at whether the human activity on the planet was actually anything to worry about. He wasn't very committal on humans causing climate change. So there has been kind of an overhang from that fiasco as well. So you take all these things together and it seemed like the door was wide open for him to walk through. Got it. And so what kind of progress, if any, did the World Bank make on climate initiatives during his tenure then? Yeah, let's give him a little bit of credit. The World Bank increased its climate finance lending to nearly $32 billion as the World Bank likes to say, and that is more than all the other multinational development banks out there combined. So it's quite a bit of money. And two of its main branches had ceased coal finance in 2021. And the World Bank had not invested in any upstream oil and gas since 2019. So there were some efforts to curtail its fossil energy lending and to lean into climate change. That being said, you know, this wasn't fast enough for a lot of people. What the World Bank has succeeded in doing is give money to more clean energy, but it's also a lot of loans with some pretty steep terms for repayment that already debt distressed nations can't afford to take on. So it, there's a question of how good a quality was this finance for the countries that need it most. There's also a question of 
okay, we need money for the green transition. It's expensive. But a lot of the countries that the World Bank is designed to serve have trouble with adapting to climate change. They actually aren't big emitters. So the World Bank's track record on global climate adaptation finance is not great either. And there's really a need to look at how do you actually invest in projects to help nations that haven't caused this problem cope with the problems that are coming to their doorstep. Right. And so Malpass stepping down, of course, gives the Biden administration an opportunity to install a new leader at the World Bank. So why is this an important priority for the administration? Well, look, there's just not enough public money in the world to get this green transition completed. I mean, they need to look at big institutions like the World Bank to de-risk that private finance, to basically go into countries first and say, hey, we're going to put our money here. We want you to come along with us. We know that the business case for this doesn't seem that appealing on its face. There's maybe some regulatory concerns, investing concerns in some countries, but follow us, trust us. We're going to work on that. We're going to use our heft in our terms to try to reshape some institutions that make it more business friendly. Now, that's one angle here. One of the biggest challenges is that this administration likes to think that it'll get its choice of who to install at the World Bank, but there is increasing pushback to this idea that the U.S. gets to handpick the leader of the World Bank. That has been the case for decades. It's a handshake agreement, but countries from the global south are trying to resist that. And for these global challenges where it is the global south that is most affected by all the things that the World Bank is trying to solve, I guess it makes sense, right? Like, you know, the, this conversation when we talk about equity and inclusion and all those values that there would be this type of resistance to the U.S. getting to make this choice unilaterally. So that is one major challenge for the administration in a power politics kind of sense. The other challenge is the World Bank is set up to address poverty for the most part. I mean, it is about bringing low-income nations into the middle class. And some of the world's biggest polluters are pretty firmly middle income. So you're going to want to try to create new ways to get money to those places if you're going to solve climate change. But that does run a little counter to the mission of the World Bank, which is to focus its capital and its lending on lower income nations and to bring them into the middle class. So I think there's going to be a little bit of push and pull there as to how much you can fundamentally restructure what the World Bank does and who it serves. And there will be calls on countries to put in more money potentially to support the World Bank's mission. There will be calls on the World Bank to issue more below market rate finance or even grants that don't have any sort of interest rate attached to them. And those are all different things than the World Bank is currently suited to do. And I think that that will be a pressure on the institution as well. Also, EPA is ordering Norfolk Southern to carry out and pay for the cleanup of its train that derailed and spewed toxic chemicals in East Palestine, Ohio, three weeks ago. EPA Chief Michael Regan announced the new order on Tuesday, saying if Norfolk Southern doesn't complete any part of the cleanup, EPA will do it and charge the company three times the cost. Norfolk Southern has already agreed to pay for all cleanup costs, but the order formally puts the company on the hook. 
The order from EPA comes three weeks after the train derailed, with local residents remaining wary of the cleanup so far, despite assurances from EPA that the area was safe. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our free newsletter at politico.com slash power switch. And subscribe to Politico Pro to read our morning energy newsletter. Some of the music in today's show is composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Josh Siegel, and we'll see you back tomorrow. Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. Chevron is developing renewable diesel made with biofeedstock that can help reduce the life cycle carbon emissions of heavy-duty transport fuels today. Learn more at chevron.com.